right in the middle of a, a sermon series on just living uh, the Lego life, a life that is well put together. If you've not had the opportunity to, to hear the beginning uh, of this series, I would tell you, stop by our resource center in the lobby or, or go to our website because I, I have to tell you, can, can I just be honest with you? It's been some really good preaching. That's all I'm going to say, right? Uh, but but we, we have talked about, and these are, so these are the fundamental principles of life. And, and here's what the Word of God says. It says that when we're living in harmony with God's plan, that the evidence of that or the building blocks of that are going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, and these things will be in our life in abundance. And, and there's, I'm convinced of this, there's nobody in the room who wouldn't say of all those different qualities, man, I want those in my life. Can I offer you this morning that I'm convinced a key element of the life that God has for you is the topic that we're going to talk about today. And I would say this, in our world today, and not just in our world today, but in the, in the body of Christ, the, the qualities that we see, those descriptive words that describe the fruit of the Spirit, if we were to pick one where there's significant deficit, it would be our topic today. And so, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to take your Bibles, open up your Bibles, and turn to James chapter 5. It's real close to the end of the Bible. It's in the back part of the New Testament. And uh, I, want you to, I want you to turn to, to James chapter 5. If, if, if you go, uh, here's what you'll find, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you get into some of the numbered books, right? And in uh, first, first and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, uh, Philemon, Hebrews, and then James. Hebrews is a big book. James is a small book that's right after Hebrews. And so, if you find Hebrews, just go a little bit further, and you'll find right behind Hebrews, you'll find the book of James. If you're doing it electronically, you should have already been there a long time ago, right? James chapter five. It tells us this, uh, starting in the seventh verse. It says, "Be patient." That's powerful, isn't it? Be patient. He goes on to say, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevere. You've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Patience. God, I, I speak your peace that fuels patience over each person here. God, we thank you for your word today. And we commit these moments to you. In the mighty and the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 It, it is true, though, that this issue of patience, right? It, it, is, it is something that's lost in our, in our contemporary context. It's something that's lost in our contemporary culture. I love the story. A, a little, little boy is, is standing at the, at the bottom of an escalator, right? And uh, a young woman walks up and says, excuse me, son, are, are, can I help you? Are, you? are you afraid? And he goes, nope, just standing here waiting for my gum to come back. 
there's, there's a reward in patience. Patience always brings a reward, and yet we live in an instant culture. We live in an instant era. We live in an instant day. And, and what happens is this, this, this instant idealism that we have, it affects our disposition. It, it does significant damage to our relationships. And, and also what it does is this, is it, it hinders our testimony. So I, w- I want to talk to you about this issue of, of patience. And, and God's Word tells us, it says, be patient then, brothers and sisters. I, I want to talk to you uh, real quickly this morning, uh, when to be patient, uh, why to be patient, and how to be patient. I, I want you to, by the time we leave here this morning, by the time we get done with our time together, I want you to have a, a healthy understanding and, and just a great grasp on, on how you can live this life of patience, how, how you can uh, engage with those around you in such a way that not only uh, do you have patience in your life, but that you encourage patience in others. So, so when we, according to Scripture, when should we be patient? Well, here, here's what we see. We see in James chapter 5, it tells us this. It says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You know, there, are, there are so many aspects of our life that are beyond our control. And in those moments when life is beyond our control, this is where we, we really come to grips with whether or not we trust in the promises of God. In that Bible that you carry, there are over 7,000 promises. And God keeps each and every one of those promises. The difficulty is He doesn't always operate in the time frame that we operate in. And, and we find that there are those elements of our life, there are those aspects of our day that are beyond our control. Now, for some of us in the room, that can be a very difficult thing because we can be described as a controlling person. In fact, some of you, the person sitting next to you, you could rightly describe them as a control freak. Don't look at them, okay? Don't point to your spouse and go, he's talking to you right now. When he said, lean in, this is where you really need to lean in. Right? You plan your spontaneity. Because you want everything to go exactly the way you want it to go. You know what I've discovered? Life is full of twists and turns and surprises. I think that's why I like that often quoted scripture in Proverbs when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. He'll, he'll, He'll deal with those curves in your life. Because they come, the twists and turns in life come. And so we have this element of, of our existence that is absolutely uncontrollable. We're making our way to church on a Sunday morning and we discover that I-4 is completely shut down because of an accident a little ways ahead. Nothing I can do about it. In that moment, I can choose to be angry at the people that are around me and frustrated with the situation, or I can recognize the difficulty that somebody's facing in the moment. And I can, I can allow my frustration to rule, or I can allow my faith to rule. If I allow my frustration to rule, anger is going to be the result. If I allow my faith to rule, intercession is going to be the result. Which is going to be more profitable in the moment? See, we have to, we have to be patient when our position is uncontrollable. 
The farmer, when the farmer plants his seed, he cannot control the weather. And what he has to do is he has to trust that God's word is true when it says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God, I, I plant my seed in faith, trusting that you're going to come through. And in life, we will find this. There are so many areas that life is uncontrollable. I also, I have to be patient when the people around me are unchangeable. It, it tells us this, it says, uh, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And it talks about, it says this in James 5, 10, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They would share the realities of who God is. They would share the directive that God is giving. They, they, would, they would pronounce God's frustration with his people. And folks would not respond, and yet they remained faithful to the message that God had given them. And it's frustrating, right? Especially in the role of a parent. When you're, when you're, you're, you're looking at your son, you're looking at your daughter, and you're going, do you get it? Any, 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 any part of what I'm communicating to you right now? Have you ever... Have you ever had that moment, those of you that are parents, have you ever had that moment where you're talking to your child and you know that they're looking at you and saying, my parent is an, th this parent is an absolute idiot. Am I the only person that's had that experience? Dad, I know you mean well, but dad, you're out of touch. You have no idea what life is like in 2018. That might have worked in 1988 or 1978 or 1878, but we're living in a different time. It's like being on a different planet. Dad, you don't know what you're talking about and you just need to. I remember when I thought my parents were idiots. So uh, when I was in, um, when I was in college, my brother and I got irritated um, because my parents were unreasonable. My parents charged us $10 a week to live at home. Can you believe that? They charged us to live at home. And then in addition to that, we had to do chores. That doesn't seem fair, does it? After all, we're paying to live here, room and board, food included, clothes washed, yeah. And, uh, and my dad, he, he demanded that we, when we ironed our shirts, um, that we would put the ironing board away. We said, you know what? We don't need to put up with this. You know what we're doing? We're going to get our own apartment. You know what I didn't realize when you get your own apartment? It doesn't come with food. And there's nobody there to wash my clothes. And, and it was a little bit more than $10 a week. And I went, you know what, I think my parents, I think my parents aren't that bad. <laughs> then Jody and I had children of our own and I discovered that my parents were brilliant. <laughs> right? So we, we have these, we have these relationships where we, where it requires us to pause. In fact, if you get nothing else out of our time this morning, I want you to get this. When God chose to describe love. 
There's an entire chapter in the Bible that describes love. 1 Corinthians 13, it's often referred to as the love chapter. And the very first descriptive word that is used to describe love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. I want you to say that with me. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Love is patient. Say it again. Love is patient. If that is true, and do we believe that God's Word is true? Come on, church. Do we believe that God's Word is true? So, if God's Word says that love is patient, then a truth that I have to accept and embrace is this. In those areas of my life where I am impatient, there is a deficit of love. I shared that with our, our team this morning uh, in our 10 a.m. meeting when we, when we talk about just the, the structure of the service. And, uh, and man, <laughs> there were several people that wanted clarifying questions. Help, help me, pastor, help me to clarify, help me to justify my position. What about when? I said, no, no, no. <laughs> Understand, this isn't Ed Garvin saying that love is patient. And so, if love is patient, if I'm impatient, there's a love deficit. This isn't Ed Garvin saying it. It's God's Word saying it. And God's Word is immutable and inerrant. So, what that means is this. It means those areas in my life where I have a deficit of patience, I have a deficit of love. When I'm impatient with my spouse, there's a love deficit there. When I'm impatient with my children, there's a love deficit there. When I'm impatient with my coworkers, there's a love deficit there. And love flows from God. That's the reason why, friends, when I'm living by the Spirit, when I'm walking in the Spirit, one of the byproducts of that or one of the qualities of that is going to be love, joy, peace, patience. Now, here's what I know what's happening all over the room. There's a kind of a combination of conviction and rationalization that's taking place. Because even right now, the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind situations, circumstances, and even relationships where there's a patience deficit. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, conviction, con not condemnation, condemnation is guilt. Conviction, co conviction is an understanding of and a desire to change. And even right now, you're recognizing some of those areas of your life where you're impatient. And the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, you've got to engage more in love in this circumstance. You've got to engage more in love in this relationship. And it's human nature to excuse and accuse, to excuse ourselves and to accuse others. Listen, I'm pretty patient with her, but she's a mess. Pot, meat, kettle. Just saying. Right? right? 
See, we, we live in a period of time where people want things instantly. Microwaved relationships. Do you know what I've discovered? Microwave might be quick, but it's rarely good. And depth of relationship takes time. It has taken Jody 33 years to get me to the place that I am today. You want to talk about a woman that has exhibited patience. We have to be patient when, when, our, when our position is uncontrollable, when, when, when people seem like they're unchangeable, and also when, when problems are unexplainable. It tells us this in Job, or in James 5.11. It talks about Job. It says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. In Job's situation, it tells us this. In Job 1.1, this is what it says. It says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Job did nothing wrong, and yet difficulty after difficulty, hardship after hardship, calamity after calamity came upon him. And it made no sense. It, it, it was such an enormous difficulty that Job's wife said to him, why are you still holding on to your faith? Job, your life is messed up. You should just curse God and die. And Job's response was, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. It, it made no sense. His situation, his problem was unexplainable. And yet, he patiently waited on God. Why? Well, first of all, friends, because God is in control. And so it tells us at the very beginning of this portion of Scripture that we looked at, it, it, it tells us that God is in control. It tells us, it says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. And thinking about this issue of patience, If you were to ask folks, what's the ultimate ex example of patience? What the, what's the ultimate expressions of, of, of patience? If you're, if you're talking with somebody who has some biblical knowledge, they might, they might refer to Job, right? Job, all that he went through, he still held on to God. He was still patient, still trusted in God. I, while, I think, while I think Job is, is worthy to be commended, Job is, is merely an honorable mention. I want, you, I want you to recognize this this morning, that from the time of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden to Jesus doing this amazing redemptive work on the cross, it is 4,000 years. 4,000 years. 4,000 years of God 
waiting. Waiting as his children engage in overt rebellion. Waiting as his children seemingly needlessly suffer. And all of the pain and all of the sadness and all of the sorrow, God waits. He waits. In the midst of it, there are moments where he regrets even creating man. And yet he waits. He waits for the ideal time for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. He then waits 33 years for Jesus to get to the ideal place having trained the ideal people in the ideal moment. Knowing that if Jesus is born a day later, it adversely affects the plan of God. If Jesus is born a day early, it adversely affects the plan of, of, of God. G the time in which Jesus goes to the cross, God has calculated that it is the exact point in the entire timeline of history that will cause the most people to experience the promises of God and the blessings of God and the wonder of heaven. And, and God engages, seeing all of this difficulty and all this hardship and all this pain. Why? So you could sit at Calvary Assembly of God on a Sunday morning in 2018 and hear that God is crazy about you. He demonstrates patience. God demonstrates over and over again patience. And God is in control. He's in control. I sat this week with one of our missionaries who, be, because of the sensitive nature of the country, I, I, I cannot reveal the country to you. I, I, I honestly, I wish I could, but um, we do not want to put our missionary in harm's way, nor do we want to put the people that he is ministering to in harm's way. Here's what I will tell you. In in 30, for 39 years, this missionary faithfully ministered in the country that he serves and saw less than 30 people come to Christ. Less than one convert a year. Four years ago, in the middle of his 38th year, I want you to grasp that. Some of you, you're not even 38 years old yet. In the middle of his 38 years serving in this country. By the way, in 38 years, he had, he had given out less than 500 Bibles. S 
something began to stir. And the last four years, that number of converts has gone from less than 50. And friend, this is not hyperbole on any stretch. It's gone from less than 50 to over 200,000. They had 55,000 children in their summer program. And each one of those children in a overt hostile Muslim country, each one of those children left with the Gospel of John. In the last four years, his ministry has given out a half a million Bibles. You cannot go to any city in this country and go into a mosque where there's not a Bible study happening in the mosque. Thirteen imams have come out and made public professions of faith. They are baptizing people in the mosques. In the next 18 to 24 months, this movement is going to go public in the country that they're in. And they've been told, you know you're going to face intense persecution. And they've said, we live in the world of persecution. We're comfortable with it. But it's time for the Jesus movement in this country that is a massive producer of Islamic terrorists. It is time for the Jesus movement to go public. Now, let me tell you something. The outside world would not believe on any level that there are over 200,000 spirit-filled believers in this country. But can I tell you, God is building a movement. And, and a significant aspect of building that movement is a missionary that was, that was willing to stay decade after decade after decade after decade plowing up that hard soil. It would have been so easy to quit. But friends, God rewards patience. So it says in James 5.11, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered, those who have stayed through. And God is working all things for our good. So how do I do it? How do, how, do I, how do I be patient? Well, first of all, I wait. I wait consciously. What that means is this, is I do it with an intentionality. God... I'm going to embrace the power of the pause, and I'm going to wait for you. I don't want to get one step ahead of you, God. I don't want to get one step behind you, God. I'm going to wait for you. Which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, God, I'm going to wait consciously. I'm, I'm going to intentionally wait on you. And I'm going to do it because you love me and you demonstrate patience towards me. And so, God, I'm going to wait consciously 
confident that you're going you're gonna to pour love over me and cause your love to flow through me in such a way that it's going to allow me to be patient with my circumstances. It's going to allow me to be patient with the people around me. It's going to allow me to be patient with the situations of the day. Because love is patient. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait calmly Here's what it says in James 5, in verse 9, it says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or, or you'll be judged. Got up. The patience that you demonstrate towards me, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna demonstrate that patience towards those around me. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna learn to embrace the pause, and to discover the power in it. I, I want to I refer to a, a principle that I, that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, because I, I, believe that it, I believe that it's significant in this moment. And, and I, I want to share this. I want to reiterate this as many times as possible because I think if people could grasp this, it's life-changing, okay? And, and here's the principle that I want to share with you. That our sense of value one of the biggest, if not the biggest influencer of our sense of value is our perception of how much the person we admire most values us. Parents, I want you to hear that. Your children's sense of value, your children's sense of self-worth is significantly, in fact, a key, if not the key influencer of your child's sense of value is how much the person they most admire, their perception of how much that person values them. See, and it's easy, especially, especially when we've grown up in the church and especially when we've raised our children in the church, when those imperfections appear, it's easy for us to speak correction over our children and even unintentionally, maybe even intentionally, speak judgment over our children rather than just stopping to breathe. You know what? I've, I've learned from my mistakes. And, and there are some things that I just had to learn myself and I, I had to learn them the hard way. I'm the 12th of 13 children. I, I watched my older siblings do stupid things and I did the exact same stupid things. Why? Because some lessons have to be experienced. My children did some of the same stupid things that I did. And you know what? They did some that were their own and continue to. I, I, both of my children are in their early 20s and they still do things. I'm telling you, my children, both my son and my daughter will do things this week where I will go, seriously. But I've learned just enough to say that internally and not speak that over them. 
knowing that there are elements of my life and my journey where my heavenly father goes, Ed, seriously. (laughs) But he says it silently. He doesn't say it over me. And he doesn't say it to you prophetically to come and tell me. Some of you, that was God's word for you today. I, 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 I wait calmly. But I also do this. I, I wait confidently. James 5.11 tells us this. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You're agitated, you're, you're irritated, you're, you're nervous. Life has way too much panic. And this, this unrelenting tension that you have, it, it impacts your disposition and it, it wreaks havoc with the world around you. And God's brought you here this morning to help you discover the amazing strength of the pause. Just to, just to pause, just to, just to breathe. You know, that's the purpose of the Sabbath. The Bible says this, it says that we're supposed to take one day and just go, In fact, the Bible tells us, it says that, that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. And what that means is this, is man wasn't made to fulfill all these religious obligations, all these religious duties once every seven days, but God gave man the Sabbath to where you had some space, some, some breathing room some margin. And it's impossible for us to have that margin if we don't have pause. Pastor, that's easy for you to say because you don't live in the home that I live in with the performance expectations. You're not, you're not doing the job that I have to do every day where the performance that's required of me is unreasonable and I have to produce now consistently. I want to let you in on a little secret and you might want to write this down. Are you ready? By the way, don't walk into your workplace tomorrow and share what I'm about to share with you. This is between you and me. Your boss is not God. Some of you needed to hear that. Your boss is not God. Well, pastor, I'm self-employed, precisely. (laughs) Your boss is not God. And here's here's what God's Word says. It says that when I live by the Spirit, I will not satisfy the desires of the sinful nature. And friends, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. But when I live by the Spirit, The qualities that will be evident is love. Love. 
that understanding that God loves me and that I can love those around me genuinely and from the heart. Joy. When I, when I come to a full understanding of this thing called grace, you know what? I, I walk with a constant smile on my face in spite of my circumstances because God's, God's presence brings this confirmation that everything's going to be okay. And in that, there is this peace, not, not the peace that the world gives, but God's peace, a peace that goes beyond my comprehension, that guards my heart and my mind. That's why Paul described it in Philippians. And, and because, because I have this, this understanding of the flow of God's love, continual love into my life, that that then is poured out to those around me and, and, I, and I can walk with this joyful disposition that fuels an, maybe an unexplainable but an absolutely undeniable peace. That, that puts me into a right space where, where I can show grace to you. I can give pause to a situation. I can be patient in a circumstance. Knowing that that pause, that that patience is one of the ways that God through me is going to demonstrate love to you and help you on this wonderful, progressive path of love, joy, peace, patience, which then <laughs> brings a world of kindness. And wow, isn't that something that's needed in our world today? Kindness will come from the patience that we demonstrate that is a byproduct of the love that's been given. So this morning, how about we do this? How about we, we say to God, God, I sang earlier, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. And so, as we, as we close our time together at church, God, what I want to do is this. I want that to be more than the song that I sing. I want it to be a realistic posture. So right now, God, I, I bow down. I say that you're God. And what that means is this. It means that, that all of me belongs to you. And so, those areas in my life, God, that that I've still yet to surrender are those areas in my life that, that still need work. God, they're, they're available to you right now. Do, do whatever work in me you want to do. 
God, thank you that today you're you're revealing to me those areas in my life where I am impatient. That helps me to understand there's a love deficit there. And God, pour your love on me today in such a way that those areas of impatience begin to fade away. Let me say that again. God, pour your love on me. Let me have such an understanding of your love that those areas of impatience in my life fade away. As you go from our time together to the activities of the day to the activities of the week, what God's going to do by His Holy Spirit, God's going to remind you in those moments where you drift from patience into impatience, God's going to remind you of our time together and He's going to remind you that love is patient. My strong, strong encouragement to you is don't rationalize in the moment, respond in the moment. Don't don't excuse and accuse in the moment, but embrace the moment. Recognizing that God is demonstrating patience in your spiritual development. because he's crazy about you and wants you to walk in all of the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.